So we'd like to ask you a few questions for a project we're running called Forms of Intelligence. The project is exploring different types of intelligences that aren't human, including plants, animals and microbes. We're looking at how these different living things and networks communicate, think, act and are connected. With the hope to be inspired to work together better in the future and design technologies that could really benefit the whole environment and not just humans. Okay, great. Uh, can you please tell me your name and who or what from the animal or plant world you work closely with? Um, so I'm Myrose Craig. I'm 18, but I blog under the name of Bird Girl. And I've been working with people for about five years now to try and um, engage a broader range of people with the environment and all these different um, species of animals that we have. Great. Uh, and how did you... How did you become interested in working with uh, people and animals together? Um, so I'm half Bangladeshi and I have always been, well, I became quite aware that um, people that look like me weren't really out engaging with nature because I, I'd just never seen um, people of ethnic minorities out in the countryside, basically. And I found that quite shocking. So when I was about 13, I um, started this organisation called Black to Nature and um, it essentially started this long-term project that I've been doing for about five years now that's all about um, helping ethnic minorities engage with the natural world, whether that's through um, the, these different camps we do or bringing them out onto reserves or, um, I don't know, something else. And... Um, my favourite thing to do with people is bird ringing, which is always so popular. And I think um, people really engage with the idea of being able to hold like a wild animal in their hands. Like I still find it really beautiful and I've been doing it for years now. Um, and ever everyone always loves doing bird ringing with us. Cool. Um, so for those that don't know, including myself, uh, could you explain what bird ringing is? Oh yeah, of course, sorry. Um, so bird ringing is basically a scientific process where we catch um, wild birds in order to monitor them and obviously no harm comes to the birds during this and we have to train for quite a long time to do it. And the most common way is through mist netting, so it's very thin nets that the birds can't really see and they fly into it and then you extract them. Um, and we take all sorts of data about these different birds, like their weight, how much muscle they have, um, how long their wings are, how healthy they are, and it builds up into this massive database of information where we um, learn quite a lot about bird species through all this research. Um, and we also put a, a unique numbered ring on their leg so that if someone catches them, they can find all the information that we've already put about them. Um, so I find it very interesting. Um, but the side that a lot of people like is essentially your handling this um, wild bird in your hands and although um, people haven't been trained they are able to hold it for a few seconds at the end and let it um, fly away when we release it. Amazing wow so it's real really sort of like well hands-on. Mm, yeah I, I really enjoy it personally I've been doing it since I was about um, seven I think uh, and I yeah I've always really loved bird ringing. Amazing. And what's, what's the uptake been like from, from the ethnic minority communities? Um, yeah, so I think our camps have really expanded over the years. Um, and 
I know we have quite large numbers of people coming on them now, but also for me, the most gratifying thing is, especially on the primary school camps, um, there are these kids that want to come back time and time again because it, that's their opportunity to be able to come out into the countryside and do all these activities they wouldn't normally need to do. Um, and on a lot of the teenager camps, they always go like, oh, I wish that this was a week long instead because we're just settling in on Sunday afternoon and we wish that we could um, carry on doing this stuff for um, days more. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of these kids have ne just never had the opportunity to um, experience wildlife or the countryside or the natural world. And it's a really special and a really unique experience because you know, I think everyone should have the opportunity to um, go out and connect with nature and animals and the natural world. Sure. So, um, so apart from the bird ringing, um, uh, you talked about the camps. So, where whereabouts are the camps? Are they sort of local to Bristol, or are they across mm. the country? Yeah. Um, so the teenage camps, which are two nights, um, we camp near Glastonbury. And we do most of our activities down on the Somerset levels, which is amazing for um, bird life. Like we go on, my family go birding and twitching there all the time anyway. Um, and for the primary school camps, we do it um, in a field in the Chew Valley because it has access to like proper bathrooms and stuff. Sure. And I think asking the little kids to use the camping bathrooms would be a bit much <laughs> for the experience <laughs> for their first weekend out in the countryside. Cool. For you personally, like, what is it that sort of um, inspires you to sort of keep these these um, this movement sort of going forward? Um, I think it's quite a few things. Like, obviously, there's that personal link where um, growing up, I was the only person like me, except my mum and my sister that I saw going out into nature. Um, but also, I think it's so important that these different communities have the opportunity to go out and connect with nature um for like you know i think people forget that as humans we're animals too you know and having the level of separation that we do from um the natural world is really detrimental for us as animals which is why um a lot of people with mental health issues are from these ethnic minority communities. Part, part, and I think that it could be massively beneficial for them to have that access to nature. But also like, um, you know, there's lots of problems going on at the moment. We're on the edge or I don't know, in the middle of various environmental crises. And I think it's so important that everyone's on board to essentially try and save the world. And um, we can't expect people to try and like change their lives and change everything around them to try and save something that they've never even come into contact with before. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, if they don't understand, if they, if they don't mm. experience it and understand it, then it's hard for them to sort of, yeah, relate. Yeah, exactly. Especially, I think, because um, obviously biodiversity loss is a massive issue in the UK specifically. Sure. Um, but because um, nature has been pushed back into such small areas in this country, um, people really don't understand, um, you know, the different issues that we're facing at the moment because there's literally no um, frame of reference for them. Mm. So what is it you enjoy 
what 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 gives you the most joy from the work that you do? Um, for me, because obviously I do a lot of like campaigning, working with organisations. I don't know, slightly maybe more boring side of everything as well as the camps. But for me, um, my favourite thing is to get a kid that comes along and they're a bit miserable and they don't really want to be there and maybe their mum made them come or whatever um, and for them to transform over the weekend until finally they get it and they understand why they're there and they have started to develop that love of nature and I mean, we've ne I don't think we've ever had a kid come on the camp that hasn't engaged with nature in some shape or form. Mm. But I think just watching that transformation is it, it's really special. Nice. And other than the um, other than the bird ringing um, and twitching, which you mentioned, which I'm not again, I'm not sure what twitching <laughs> is. Um, would you mind quickly explaining what twitching is? Yeah, of course. Sorry. Um, so twitching is something that I do with my family more on the camps, but it's basically like if the news breaks for a rare bird that you wouldn't usually get in a place um, being there, then people sort of spread that around and everyone goes to try and see that bird um, because you're not usually able to see it. Okay. Um, while bird watching is sort of just going out and what literally watching the birds and seeing what you can see, um, which is what we do on the camps with these kids. Sure. Amazing. So, so yeah, so other than, the, other than the bird ringing and the twitching, um, how are you guys... How do you feel that you're communicating with um, with with the nature you're surrounded by? Um, yeah, I mean, we've been learning to do it in quite a big range of things, to be honest. Like, again, on these camps, we do all sorts of stuff in the past. Like, we've done a lot of creative things, like um, bird art, nature photography, making little films. Um, but we've also done a bio blitz in the past, which is basically, like, you've got an hour and you're trying to see as many, find as many different species of animals and birds and insects and plants as you can. And we made it into a competition, which people always love. Um, and they're running around trying to find all, and learn all these different species. Um, but I also like something that we've developed in general is something called nature by stealth, which is basically um engaging people with nature without it actively being like we're going out into nature now and we're gonna go look at this tree because you know most people uh are not they're, they're not interested in that you know like it doesn't appeal um and that compared to going like something we've done in the past is um going to eastville park and doing a filmmaking workshop with people from various uh relatively prominent um filmmaking companies in bristol to teach them how to do stuff and it just happens to be that they're out filming um i don't know the different birds they can find in the squirrels and the grass and the trees um and that works much better because they're doing something that they love but they're out surrounded by nature and they're getting all the benefits of that sure it's really interesting so you, so the, your general approach is a creative one yeah, definitely. Like, I think um, in certain circles, there's a very narrow view of what engaging with nature is. And it's very traditional. And I think it's very English as well, where it's very much like going out 
onto your local nature reserve with a pair of binoculars and staring at the, I don't know, waders that you can see. And that just doesn't do it for most people. Mm. Um, and so we've had to find different ways that people can still go out and enjoy nature in the natural world. Nice. So when, when you're out uh, interacting with, uh, with nature and, and sort of uh, reconnecting or reconnecting people, um, do, do you see much in the way of interaction between nature itself? So like animals and plants or animals and animals, do you see a lot of that when you're start sort of observing? Yeah, of course. Um, that's some of my favourite stuff to watch. Like um, recently, because uh, obviously we've been in lockdown and stuff, I've been able to spend a lot more time in the garden. And one of my favourite things has been watching all the... Um, birds get like really aggressive and getting into fights with one another as um, breeding season's gone underway and um, watching all the adults with their nests and stuff like that. And I think um, it's, the, it's the same thing in terms of the camps. Like, like I said, we go onto a wetland reserve and a lot of the time we're watching all the um, ducks and the waders and the birds of prey and um, one of my favourite things is when the birds of prey are swooping overhead and suddenly an entire flock of birds just lifts off into the air while they all try and like get away as far as they can. Sure. Um, yeah, I think those interactions are what makes nature really special, to be honest. Nice. So uh, you, said, you mentioned about the birds of prey. Do you see a lot of the birds of prey in um, sort of urban areas or is it more when you're sort of out, out in the sticks? Um, a bit of both, to be honest. Obviously, you get different um, species in different areas. So down on the Somerset levels, I think the bird of prey that I see the, the most is probably the marsh harrier. Um, but in Bristol, you can um, see all sorts of different ones, the most obvious being um, the peregrine falcons, which I think are breeding in the middle of town now. Wow. Um, but if you're less in the centre and more on the edges, I'm sure that you can see um, buzzards and stuff like that going overhead. Mm -hmm. And if you're um, on most of the motorways, um, you'll probably see red kites scavenging for food. And I think um, you find birds of prey in most walks of life these days. Wow. So there, mm -hmm. so there are birds of prey all around us. I mean, unless you, unless you know what you're looking at. Like for someone like myself, that it would just be a bird, and I don't mean mm. I don't mean that in like an ignorant sense, but yeah. you know, for me, it's just a type of bird. Whereas actually, mm. what I'm looking at is a what would be classed as a bird of prey. Yeah, and um, yeah, birds of prey are some of my favourite. Actually, I've had a great time watching them the last few months. But I think I know I I think they're quite good for city watching. In that it's one of those things where you just look up and you see what's above you, and I think most people. Uh, don't really think to do that um, and see what's flying around above their heads. Sure. Because usually there's more than you think there's going to be. Okay, nice. Um, so can you tell me, can you tell me about a time when you really saw communication going on between? Like, can you can you think of one real? Well, I suppose you kind of touched on it before with the 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 mating season. Um, but can you think of a can you think of a like a, a a real sort of example that made you sort of step back and go why I'm I'm watching something special here? Mm, um, yeah, um, I think for me, um, again recently, something that's been very special is um, there's been a raven's nest um, quite near my house that we've been watching a bit, and um, 
these ravens have been flying overhead and they're really loud and the thing about ravens is they're really clever like a lot more clever than most people think they are and so for me it's been very special to watch this pair of ravens interact with one another and interact with their nest and then and their chicks um and i think a moment that was particularly special for me is when um we climbed up the side of the quarry to see if the chicks were still in the nest and they were just about they were very fully grown mm. um and the biggest one just looked me right in the eye and you knew it knew <laughs> exactly what i was and why it was there and it was telling me like don't come any closer um and it was just i know like a moment of really striking intelligence you know nice mm. wow yeah i love raven <laughs> Wow, that's really cool. I was, uh, yeah, and my next question actually was, um, uh, how do you think uh, birds learn from humans? Um, mm. what, do, what do you um, think about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we think about it very much, but humans have such a large impact on all of our surroundings, like totally, that pretty much everything that all animals do is impacted by us in one shape or another. Um, whether it's like changing their behavior patterns or um, changing like what they do in the time of year and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I think like the example that comes to mind is obviously, well, for me, is seagulls or sorry, there's no such thing as seagulls or different species of gulls. Oh, there's, because... no, such, there's no such thing as seagulls. Sorry, it's, it's something my dad always says because it drives me nuts when people call them <laughs> seagulls. It's not technically a species. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, all the different species of gulls in um, urban areas. And obviously these types of spaces never existed a few hundred years ago, which is nothing in terms of evolution. Mm. But these gulls have learnt to live um, completely off... Um, humans basically um and everyone always jokes about like at the seaside when they're going to come nab your chips or your ice cream um but they've learned that they can come and they can steal your food um uh, like i remember my, my secondary school there was a flock of gulls that would migrate there every winter and they absolutely terrorized the students <laughs> um but they they were getting they were getting more than what they needed to eat um just by surviving off um the food that we were leaving behind mm. um yeah and i think people don't think about gulls very much because they're not very i don't know people don't really like them yeah i think i think most people see them as a nuisance right mm. yeah but we've we've made them into that nuisance really sure. so. misunderstood <laughs> <laughs> uh so obviously our project is uh is looking at artificial intelligence and how we can use artificial intelligence to better communicate with nature. Um, in what ways have you ever communicated with artificial intelligence? Um, this could be sort of like Netflix or Siri or Alexa. Do you, do you feel you have a, a daily or a, any sort of interaction with artificial intelligence? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I guess anything with an algorithm these days is probably classed as artificial intelligence, whether it's like scrolling down my Instagram feed and suddenly getting an advert for something I was just thinking about, mm. um, or like Netflix recommending me the perfect series for that moment. Um, yeah, I think I think we're all constantly interacting with artificial intelligence. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things 
maybe because it's been in so many like sci-fi horrors and things like that but people are very wary of it and understandably I suppose but I think um you know it's more than just like Siri and Alexa and stuff it's in everything already and people I don't know it's it's just a computer like it's not a force for evil or good it's just it's just an algorithm you know yeah sure um um, um from your experience with using um AI or I guess as you say our general day-to-day interaction with any sort of um computing device how do you how do you feel about uh artificial intelligence um I think by itself artificial I'm sorry I think by itself artificial intelligence is something that's it's very interesting to be honest like I feel like of all the things that people could have invented the fact that we created um I don't know computers or programs that can think for themselves and can come to conclusions by themselves is really interesting Mm. um and I think by themselves they're fine to be honest they just do the jobs that they are supposed to do and I think the danger only comes when um they are maybe used for bad things um like I know I was just joking about like um I don't know Siri listening into me and stuff but obviously there has been scandals already like with Cambridge Analytica and stuff where people are harvesting your data and I think um that that's pers- for me personally is the only thing that I'm wary of but I think in general it's something quite lovely to be honest in a way like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> nice. No, no, that's, that's, yeah, so that's a great answer. So how has your experience of communicating with their AI been different to how you communicate with birds? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I guess the difference is the, like with birds I'm changing myself like my voice my movements the way that I um interact with them to try and suit them to try and calm them and make sure they're not uh gonna fly away because I'm there um and to make sure they're um happy in my presence I suppose Mm. um compared to AI where it's sort of the opposite where I'm doing things and I expect the AI to tailor itself to me because that's what it's supposed to do um and i guess i don't know um like i i i guess i want to make birds comfortable and wildlife comfortable while i expect the ai to make me comfortable and make my life a bit easier wow what a great answer <laughs> <laughs> That was a great answer. It's a really hard question. It was a really hard yeah. question. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, so uh, you meant, uh, so I know that at the moment you're doing your A-levels and you are 18. Um, mm. So I would imagine that for yourself, um, technology has probably been, you've probably grown up around technology generally compared to say someone of my age who has seen the change and the transition. Mm. Um, so what technologies do you personally find useful to you? Whether that's um, in, um, I guess, whether that's whether in in the work that you do or within your personal life. 
I mean, obviously, most of the work that I do would be literally impossible without the existence of technology. Like all of my campaigning and my camps and my interactions with a lot of these organisations are based off of social media and my blog and emails um, and doing things virtually. And I think otherwise I would have just been like a teenager because I think pre-technology stuff like that just wasn't possible um to be honest mm. so I think it's definitely facilitated all of the work I do um but I think I don't know it's slightly weird it is it's slightly weird in that like you said I've grown up with technology and I think it shaped my life a little bit even in little things like the fact that I'm not physically capable really of only doing one thing at any one time like it drives my parents nuts because while we're watching a film I have to be like on my phone like doing different activities and I like to be doing loads of different stuff um and I think I don't know I I think in a weird way like it's it's not super comfortable to think about but I do think I'd be a very different person if I hadn't grown up in a world with technology. Um, like even little things like all the um, Black, Sti Black Lives Matter stuff that's going on at the moment, I can't even how that all would have um, happened without the existence of social media if I was just relying on like mainstream um, news to try and tell me what's going on. And it's just stuff like that, but constantly, uh, yeah. Sure, nice. So if birds could make a piece of technology uh, that was generally useful to them, what do you think they might make? I don't know. I mean, I like birds because they're quite simple uh, creatures, most of them. <laughs> um, so it would probably be something to do with, like, food or... Um, I don't know, making their nests or something. Maybe it would be something that could tell them where the optimal place to go and feed for the day is or something like that. Or um, the best day to lay their eggs or... I don't know. Um, even something that that uh, makes their nest for them. I mean, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, sorry, I'm... I'm. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> Apologise, man. It's cool. Um, so if they were going to make one of these pieces of technology, um, who do you think from the animal kingdom or creatures or plants, um, who, do you, who do you think they'd probably work best with in order to create that technology? Um, well, I mean, in terms of technology in general, I think it would, if anything started using tools and stuff that doesn't already or I think they might already actually but like corvids and stuff from around the world like lots of the different species of ravens and stuff um are all like really smart and have started doing all sorts of really clever stuff um so maybe all the birds could team up together to try and um create a piece of technology or maybe I don't know because I mean I think to an extent, once technology exists, it sort of makes the basic circle of life a bit obsolete. So maybe all the stuff that were once predator and prey 
of the birds um, would all team together as well. Nice. Amazing. Thank you. Well, Maya Rose, um, thank you for joining us today, man. Uh, really interesting conversation. Yeah, no, this has been really cool. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you? Um, you They can go look at my Twitter, which is birdgirluk, um, or you can check out my blog, which is just called Birdgirl. Great. Maya Rose, uh, thank you. Thanks.